Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. We're getting towards the end of a series that I've entitled Sweeping It Under the Carpet about the tragedy of ignoring sin in your life. And that is our natural tendency, isn't it? We sin. All of us sin. Everybody recognize that. I mean, there's not a person here who is not a sinner. You and I are going to do wrong. We have done wrong. We will do wrong. Everybody understand that? We have done wrong. We're doing wrong. We will do wrong. That's, that's our lot in life until we go to be with Jesus or he comes back. Because we are by nature sinful creatures. We inhabit a body that sins. We, have a, we inhabit a body that has been trained in sin. And for some of us, we have spent a long time training it, haven't we? Now, the reality is, is that when we sin and when we do wrong, especially some sins, some sins where we don't cover up, but some sins we do cover up, it affects us. And we have seen over the last few weeks that it affects us in many ways. Number one, it hinders us from being able to do God's will in our life. We've seen that it hinders the church. And then last week we saw that it can hinder you internally. It can, it can affect who you are. Now what we're going to look at today is, is that there is a bright side to this. And in every one of the messages we, we acknowledged at the end that what we need to do concerning the sin in our life is what? Acknowledge it and turn back to God. Acknowledge it and turn back to God. But you said, but George, sin affects me. It affects me. It hinders me from doing God's will. That means I might as well hang it up. I might as well not serve Him. The desire is there to want to serve God, but I might as well hang it up. My friends, that's why we can look at the Scripture and see to us that you don't need to hang it up. Well, we'll look and see what it says. Look with me at the life of David. This is in Chronicles. Look at with me at verse 1. Now it came to pass when David was dwelling in his house that David said to Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of the covenant of the Lord is under tents. Then Nathan said to David, Do all that is in your heart, for God is with you. But it happened that night that the word of the Lord came to Nathan, saying, Go and tell my servant David, Thus says the Lord, You shall not build me a house to dwell in. Now turn over to chapter 22. Just turn over a few pages to chapter 22. Look with me at verse 1 now. Then David said, This is the house of the Lord God, and this is the altar of burnt offering for Israel. So David commanded to gather the aliens who were in the land of Israel, and he appointed masons to hew stones to build the house of God. And David prepared iron in abundance for nails of the doors of the gates and for the joints and bronze in abundance beyond measure, and cedar trees in abundance from from the Sidonians, and those from Tyre brought much cedar wood to David. Now David said to Solomon, My son is young and inexperienced, and the house is to be built for the Lord, must be exceedingly magnificent, famous, and glorious throughout all countries. And I will now make preparation for it. So David made abundant preparation before his death. 
Then he called his son Solomon and charged him to build a house for the Lord God of Israel. And David said to Solomon, My son, as for me, it was in my mind to build a house to the name of the Lord my God. But the word of the Lord came to me, saying, You have shed much blood and have made great wars, and you shall not build a house for my name, because you have shed much blood on earth in my sight. Behold, a son shall be born to you who shall be a man of rest, and he, I will give him rest from all his enemies all around, and his name shall be Solomon, and I will give him peace and quietness to Israel in his days. And he shall build a house for my name, and he shall be my son, and I will be his father, and I will establish a throne of his kingdom over Israel forever. Now, my son, may the Lord be with you, And may you prosper and build the house of the Lord your God, as he has said. Only may the Lord give you wisdom and understanding and give you charge concerning Israel that you may keep the law of the Lord your God. Then you will prosper if you take care to fulfill the statutes and judgments with which the Lord charged Moses concerning Israel. Be strong and of good courage and do not fear nor be dismayed. Indeed, I have taken much trouble to prepare for the house of the Lord 100,000 talents of gold, 1 million talents of silver, and bronze and iron beyond measure. For it is so abundant, I have prepared timber and stones also, and you may add to them. Moreover, there are workmen with you in abundance, workmen and stonecutters of all skills, of all types of skillful men of every kind of work, and of gold and of silver and bronze and iron there is no limit. Arise and begin working, and the Lord be with you. Interesting passage of Scripture, but a lot of great principles here for you and I, especially as we move one step further in understanding the issue of sweeping it under the carpet. My friends, here's the reality. Let me just start off this way. We sin, don't we? Everybody understand that? But the imperative of the Scripture is that we stop sinning. The imperative of the Scripture is is that you need to recognize that your sin is going to hinder you from doing God's will. But my friends, I want you to understand something. As you stop sinning, it doesn't mean you're down forever. You're down but not out. You understand what I'm saying? You're down but not out. It may affect you from doing some things for God, but it doesn't mean you can't serve God at all. And that's what we see in David's life here. What we're going to look at is we're going to look at three things here. We're going to look, first of all, at his desire to serve. Everybody has, if you're, if you're trusting in Jesus Christ, one of the telltale signs of that trust in your life, of you being a believer, is that you have a desire to serve God. Bottom line. If it's not there, there's a question mark about your life. The other thing we're going to see is is that even though he had a desire to serve, there was a problem. There was a problem with his service. There was a problem with him trying to serve God. And then we're going to see how he responds to that. So let's notice, first of all, the desire to serve. So turn back to chapter 17. I want you to notice verses 1 and 2. And it came to pass when David was dwelling in the house that David said to Nathan the prophet, See now I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of the covenant of the Lord is under tent curtains. And then Nathan said to David, Do all that is in your heart, for God is with you. First thing I want you to see is this. It is natural for a believer to want to serve God. Here's David. He's 
finished his journey, so to speak. And it's been a long journey. He went from shepherd to king, but that didn't just happen overnight. He went from shepherd to being in Saul's kingdom, to being Saul's son-in-law, to being the desperado running from Saul, to living among the Philistines. Until finally when Saul is killed, Israel calls him to be king over all. And so now David is settled. He's got no longer got anybody chasing after him. He's sitting in his palace and he's thinking about the God who brought him there. The God who saved him from many situations. The God who has given him salvation. And he thinks in his heart, man, I'm dwelling in this palace, but God's ark, the ark of the covenant is under t- in a tent. And I want to build something. I want to do something for God. I want to serve Him. It's only natural, isn't it? When you think about what God has done for you, when you think about the salvation He has given you, when you think about what He has saved you from, it's only natural that you want to in some way serve Him back. Is that not true? It's only natural for a believer to want to serve God. And so David is sitting there and he's expressing what comes from his heart. Because my friends, I'm going to be honest with you, it's natural because it's the Holy Spirit that stirs it up within you. Do you understand what I'm saying? The desire to want to serve Him is because the Holy Spirit within you is stirring you to serve Him. You see my point? The Holy Spirit is the one who stirs you to serve. And so here he is, he's looking there and he's looking around and he's saying, I'm I'm going to serve God. I'm going to build him a house. So he calls Nathan the prophet to him. Nathan, his right-hand man, the one who connects with God for him. And so he tells him what's all in his heart, which brings me to the next point. Others will encourage you to serve. Look at what Nathan said. Nathan said to David, Do all that is in your heart, for God is with you. So here's what happens in a church. This is a great place to come to if you've got a desire to serve God. Because... The tendency is because everybody has that desire, you're going to be encouraged by everybody here to serve Him. So go for it. Do it. Serve God with all your heart. Those are the things you're going to hear in a church. And that's what David was being told by Nathan. He's got this desire. He wants to serve God. He comes among God's people. God's people. And they don't even have to pray about it. It's not like something you have to say, well, you know, let me pray about that for a while, whether or not you should serve God. Our natural tendency is to say what? Do it. Serve Him. And that's what Nathan is doing here. Others will encourage you to serve God. Is that not to do something for Him? Now here's the problem, though. In fact, there is a big problem. I want you to notice what happens. Look with me. Verse 3 and 4. But it happened that night that the word of the Lord came to Nathan, saying, Go and tell my servant David, Thus says the Lord, You shall not build a house. You shall not build a house to dwell in. First thing I want you to see about the problem is this. There are limits to how we can serve God. There are limits to how we can serve God. That's that's the that's that's really the reality check, isn't it? Let me just go back again. Let's go back to the desire. Every one of us has that desire. Every one of us wants to do something for the Lord. Every one of us wants to make an impact in the community. But my friends, there's a reality. The reality is is that even though there's the encouragement to do it, there are limits. And here's David. He's king. He wants to build a house for God. But there's one limiting factor to it. I mean, who's going to tell him not to do it? I mean, he's king. 
I mean, he's king. He can do whatever he wants to do. Isn't that right? Except one person did tell him, though. God. God said to him, I'm, I'm sorry, David. I, I appreciate In fact, if you look at the rest of 17, it's the Davidic covenant. God says, I will build a house for you, I mean, meaning I will establish your family on the throne. It's the Davidic covenant which leads ultimately to Jesus coming because he is the fulfillment of David's line sitting on the throne. But later in chapter 22, David would say, well, you know, I wanted to do this, but God said, no, you can't because your hands are bloody. Your hands are bloody. You're not qualified. You're limited from serving me in this area. You're not going to be the one to build it. See, let's get back to the overall subject of sweeping it under the carpet. Here's my friend. We've got that desire, but we've also got that tendency to what, people? What? Sweep our sins under the carpet. And remember, we've already talked about it, that our sins will hinder us from what? Doing the will of God in our lives. And so there are some things that must take place, and there are some things that can't happen based upon how I live my life. So there's a limit to my service. Our past actions will limit our present service. That's what God is saying to David. Your hands are bloody. You say, well, wait a minute now. I mean, he's attacking the Philistines. He's, he's serving God by wiping out their armies. Now, this is, listen, you understand this being told not to build the temple happened before David and Bathsheba. So there wasn't even that issue going on. But God, for some reason, is saying to David, David, you can't do this because your hands are bloody. You've been a man of war. You can't build my house. Now, let me just stop for a moment. You say, well, why? Why is that? Well, if you go back in First Samuel for a moment, when, when David's in, in Saul's court, when he's part of Saul's court and he becomes the captain of the armies, Here's what crafty Saul does. He says, you know, he notices that, that David is attracted to Saul's daughter. And you know, you know, you know how dads are sometimes. If you're going to date my girl, you've got to do certain things. But except what Saul said was, is I want you to go and I want you to kill a certain number of Philistines and bring back a certain body part of theirs to make sure that I know that you've killed them. And in the meantime, he's thinking, well, if he goes and tries to kill that many, somebody's going to kill him. But David, because he's hot after a girl, he's, he's, he's wanting that woman for himself, he goes and does it. It wasn't a battle for God, it was a battle for a woman. So he killed a hundred guys, listen to me, he killed a hundred Philistines so he could get the hand of Saul's daughter. Doesn't sound like a righteous cause, although chasing after the woman you love is. Isn't it? But this is what God's saying to him. Your hands are bloody. You can't build it. See, his past actions limited his present service. See, this is what we've got to understand. See, we live in a culture today that says, well, especially a Christian culture that says today, oh, God will forgive you. You can do whatever. Go ahead and serve. But my friends, I want to be honest with you. That's not true. Our past actions will hinder our present service. Our past actions will hinder our present service. Because there are qualifications. An example, we know this from history. We know this from our everyday lives. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. I grew up in the Army. I was an Army brat. My dad was in the military. One of the places we lived at is in Fort Bragg, North Carolina. Now, what's that Fort Bragg, everybody? 
I know the 82nd Airborne is there, but there's another group of elite soldiers who were there. They, they wear a special kind of hat. What kind of hat do they wear? Green Beret. Do you know that when you're in the military and you go in there, not everybody can be a Green Beret. So like when I, when I joined the Army, I was a little bit thinner, but I didn't even think about wanting to be one of those guys because a hundred guys may try out, but only one makes it. Now, aren't you glad that somebody hasn't come along and said, well, that's not fair to the other 99. The other 99 should have a chance to wear that Green Beret. They should have the chance to have that patch on their shoulder. Aren't you glad for the security of our nation that they got standards that strict? Is that not true? For that one guy to be it, and the other 99 can go do whatever else in the Army. Now, we are accepting of that. Oh, okay, let's, let's bring one back home with football season. You, it went, depending on where you live, you're either rooting for Kerwinsville or you're rooting for Clearfield. And so football time is coming up. Have you noticed that nobody's hollering at the coaches to put the third string on? Especially when they're behind, because they need to be able to play too. doesn't matter that they're behind. We just need to let them play. No, you're telling them, put the best players out there so that they can what? Win the game. Now, there we have two illustrations from life, but when it comes to the church, we say this, God, you're wrong. Your standard is here. Who cares what they did before? They just want to serve you. Isn't that what we do? But God says this, listen, our past or your past actions will limit your present service. Now, I already know, here's what's happening. Some of you are already thinking, well, okay, well, that's it. Let's, let's have the closing hymn, Brad, and let's pray, and let's leave, because, George, you don't understand, I messed up. My hands may not be bloody like David's, but there are other things in my life. There are other skeletons in the closet. There are other things that are affecting me, and what you're basically saying is, is if my past actions affect, limit my present service, I'm done. I'm over with. Let's, let me just head on out of here, because there really isn't anything I can do for the Lord now, because... Something happened 10 years ago or 20 years ago or, or even last week. There's no way I can serve him. If that's your thinking or if that's where you think I'm going, you're wrong. Because there is still one section. And that's the response of David. Because what I just shared with you is the natural human response that we have. That's the response the enemy wants you to have. is to say to yourself, there's nothing I can do for the Lord because I've messed up. But I want you to notice what David did. I want you to notice, we're over in chapter 22 now, so turn over to chapter 22. I want you to notice how David responded. David didn't get down in the mouth. David didn't just decide, well, there's no sense. I love the Lord and I want to serve Him and I want to build Him a house, but He won't let me build the house and He's got this high standard and I can't meet it and so I'm just going to be miserable the rest of my life. I want to serve Him, but I can't do it. Isn't that how we act? I want you to notice what David did. Look with me. starts off in verse 1. Notice what David did. Then David said, This is the house of the Lord God, and this is the altar of burnt offering for Israel. And so David commanded to gather the aliens who were in the land of Israel, and he appointed masons to cut hew stones to build the house of God. And David prepared iron in abundance for nails of the doors of the gates and for the joints, and bronze in abundance beyond measures, and cedar trees in abundance in abundance for the Sidonians, and those from Tyre brought much cedar to David. Now go with me over, look with me. 
Verse 14, Indeed, I have taken much trouble to prepare the house of the Lord, 100,000 talents of gold, 1 million talents of silver, and bronze and iron beyond measure, for it is so abundant that I have prepared timber and stone also, and you may add to them. Moreover, there are workmen with you in abundance, woodsmen and stone cutters, and all types of skillful men of every kind of work, and of gold and silver and bronze and iron there is no limit. Arise and begin working, and the Lord be with you. Here's what I want you to see. First thing I want you to see from David's life is this. Past actions should not limit the desire to serve. Now, I just said to you, past actions can limit your present service. But your past actions should not limit your desire to serve. You notice David's heart here? Even though God said to him, no, what did he say he was going to do? I'm still going to see this house built, even though I'm not going to build it, I'm going to do everything I can to see that it is built by somebody else. The desire to serve was still there. You see what I'm saying? Listen, here's my friends, I want you to listen to me. God is saying, let me just, let's, let me just, let me wrap my brain around it and your brain with it, okay? Listen to me. The desire to serve him is natural. Right? We all have that desire. And we all encourage each other in that desire. That's the first section there, remember? Now, here's the problem, though. There are limits to how we can serve. And our past actions limits our present service. Now, here's what we do with it. Well, then I might as well not serve him anymore because I've messed up. We've already, already talked about that. So here's what happens, though. That desire to serve is from God. Do you understand what I'm saying? When he wants you to serve, it comes from God. God is the one who's given you that desire. But here's what we're saying. We can't, we can't wrap our brain around that. We think, well, if I'm disqualified in this one area, I might as well not do anything. That's not what God's saying. You should not let your past failures or your past actions limit your desire to serve. You need to still have that desire to serve. Now, the problem is, is that we get tunnel vision and we think there's only one way to serve. We think there's only one way to serve. And it's because I can't do it in that area, so I'm also just hanging up. We've got to get the tunnel vision off and realize that the desire is there. If it's not in this area, maybe God has something else for me. You see what I'm saying? Maybe God has something else for me. So which brings me to the next point I want you to see, and this is what David did, is that he chose to serve within his limitations. He chose to serve within his limitations. The limitation that God set on him was not to build the house. Is that not right? Now, if you go back to chapter 17, and if you even look at chapter 22, you are not going to find anywhere that God said, well, don't gather the materials for it either. So what does David do? The limit is not to build it, but he didn't say I could call YBC and get the materials, though. He didn't say I couldn't line up the contractors. He didn't say I could fatten up the bank account so that when the day begins, they break ground, when my son breaks ground, he's got everything in place. You see what David did? He ministered, he served God within his limitations. Do you understand? See, so many of us look and say, he told me no in this one area, so forget it, I can't do anything, I'm just going to be miserable forever, might as well not even go to church anymore. No. Closed door over here does not mean that all doors are closed. I'm going to write that one down. A closed door over here does not mean that all doors are closed. 
See, a lot of times, you know, a lot of times people will focus on what they can't do because, well, I can't do that, I can't serve, when they need to recognize, minister within the limits and find your fulfillment there. That's what David did. And so when King Solomon builds the temple, most of the material that he used to build the greatest temple ever was gathered by who? Him? No. David. He said, now bring it down, bring it home to me, George. What are you saying to me? Here's what I'm saying. A lot of you here today, you've got a desire to serve God. You want to do something for the Lord. But, whether it's from teaching in the past or or a concept that you have developed on your own, you think the only way to serve Him is in this one area, but then somehow God puts the roadblock up, whether it's through the Word, or whether it's through a limitation here, or whatever, because of your past action, you think, well, there's no way I can serve Him at all now in my life, ever. So I might as well just be a pew sitter, a pew potato, just show up, put my money in, and dream about what I could have done if I hadn't messed up. My friends... That is a trap of the enemy. And here's the fact. The fact that you have the desire to serve Him came from God. You're sitting here right now, you want to do something for the Lord, that's from the Lord. Now, He doesn't give you a desire only to tell you you can't use it. But when He tells you no in this one area, look for another area. See, that's where we fail. We don't look for another area. David was told, you're not going to build this temple. So David says, okay, I won't build this temple. My son will, but I'll make sure he has everything he needs to build the temple. You see what I'm saying? Some of you right now, God is saying to you, you can't do this that you want to do. All right, fine. But Lord, you still gave me a desire. Show me somewhere else that I can fulfill that desire in. And believe me, he'll show you. You understand what I'm saying? Show me somewhere else that I can serve you. See, the tragedy of the stuff that we cover up in our lives, it begins to develop a mindset in our lives that I can't be used of God. Well, my friends, if you turn back to Him and acknowledge the stuff in your lives and deal with it, there is somewhere for you to serve. It may not be what you think, but there's somewhere else. And let me explain something to you. That may be where your greatest fulfillment will be found. And you don't have any clue about it yet because you've been looking at this one door that's got a lock on it and wishing you could walk through it, but you can't. Look for another door. And that one will be wide open. Here's how we apply it to our lives. Is there a desire to serve God? Is there a desire to serve God? Is there? My friends, if there is, don't squash it. See, is there a desire to serve God? Here's the other thing. How are you responding to your limitations? How are you responding to your limitations? Has God shut the door in this one area? And so you're going to sit there? And here's how we respond. We'll either respond with defeat. Well, I can't never be served before. Or there is another response. We get angry. What do you mean you close that door, Lord? I want to serve you. And yeah, I messed up here. But that shouldn't affect anything. And so you get angry with God. You get angry with Him. How are you responding to your limitations? My friends... I'm going to be honest with you, most of us, and I've been there, respond negatively. Either in defeat or in anger. And some of you here are angry because God can't use you because of something you did. And so you've just given up. You're done. How are you responding? My friends, when you look at David, how did he respond? He didn't grumble and complain. He just found a different door to work through. 
Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.